Hello everyone, welcome back to the show. I'm Chance Ellison. I'm Russell Howe. And this is Talk by Chance, where we can talk all things movies, television, streaming, news, all that stuff. And this is, you know, one of our stories talking probably a couple of episodes because I'm going to be, as of dropping this, I will still be out of the country. But we still wanted to leave you some content before, I'm sure we still started. We wanted to leave you some content while, you know, while I'm on my vacation. So uh, we decided to do some choice episodes, which I don't know explain this now. I'm sure we explained it when we did First Blood, but we're doing some choice episodes. This was Russell's choice. Uh, you wanted to watch, you wanted to watch and view this movie. Yeah. And, yeah, but we were looking at today is Heat, 1995's Heat. Uh, so, you know, I don't we'd normally, it's weird, it's weird just going right into the, into the movie. We usually yeah, have to talk about it, but... So much segue to go into the main event, yeah. Yeah, but you know, well, let's, let's talk about Heat. So, fun fact, people, like a lot of people probably don't know about this film, is actually technically a remake. Really? Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, this is based on a, this is based on a pilot, a television pilot called L.A. Takedown. Which is a very similar synopsis, and Michael Mann also directed it. So basically, he he remade his own movie. Oh well, okay. Yeah. So uh, basically, yeah. So he he did this concept. This television pilot didn't get picked up, but he liked the concept so much that he he just reworked it, retooled it, and put it back on to big screen. And yeah, the heat for the time was considering it's a nearly three-hour crime thriller. Did pretty well. Sixty million dollar budget, hundred eighty seven point four million dollars at the box office. Tons of critical acclaim. A lot of people regarding it as one of the best films of the of the decade, not just ninety five of the of the entire decade. Uh, so what is it about Heat that makes it that makes it just as transcendent as it is? Well, you know we're gonna get into it. This is Heat. Something that you notice right off the bat because because Michael directed something you notice about the bat with his films. Uh, he sh- he has this a way of shooting L.A. like no director I've ever seen. Loves L.A. Um, obviously, we reviewed Collateral. This is our second Michael Mann film. Um, but he just loves – and it's so beautiful how he shoots Los Angeles. Very uh, – just it's, – it's perfect. You know what I mean? It's just very perfect how he shoots. Especially, especially Los Angeles at nighttime. Loves L.A. at nighttime too, yeah. yeah it's the way he, it's the way he, like, he ends up. Shooting, shooting this whole thing, which is it, 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 it's just a beautiful little look at his, his movies. Usually, do has great cinematography. Uh, as then we then we then meet our well, one of our main characters, uh, that being Russell. I'm sorry, Neil McCauley. Why is it? Why I almost call him Russell McCauley? Uh, <laughs> played by played by Robert De Niro. And you know, the interesting thing about about the beginning of this film is that you don't really know who falls where. You, you're, introdu- you're introduced to all these various characters. Yeah. And you don't know who falls on what side of the coin until, you know, things start happening because we meet, we meet uh, Neil, who play Vincent, played by Al Pacino. We meet Chris, played by Val Kilmer. Like, what a... Like, Val Kilmer's just an interesting actor to me. But he's because, just... Yeah, he's just so smooth, though. He is, absolutely. Um, so, yeah. You look at like, the kind of actor, like, you would he would normally be, where just, like, this guy who just, like, and, like he's like... Like like a like a movie star, but he's also like he also like took chances in his career. Yeah. One of them being Batman and Robin, which was the same year, funny enough. Yeah, and then um, what the 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 Saint thereafter too. Yeah, same was ninety six, wasn't it? Ninety six, yeah, ninety six, yeah. But uh, yeah, he was. I mean, he was like underrated, like a super underrated 
And then I think you, we had just talked about Ghost of Darkness too. It was another another good one that he was in in the nineties. Yeah, we also see that Michael that this the cast for this film is just it's just packed with stacked. Stacked. Yeah, you see like you know you see Val. We talked about the main three: Pacino, De Niro, Kilmer. But then you go to Pacino's house and his his stepdaughter played by Natalie Portman. Yeah, I mean, Natalie Portman. I mean, she looks basically the same after after nearly thirty. Literally looks the same. Uh, and something that you'll know, we'll talk about throughout this entire film is the fact that no actors really wasted in this in this movie. Like no. every like, just about everyone has some kind of pathos, some kind of character character developments, which which again does help does pad the runtime out quite a bit. But still, like it is nice that he is fleshing out this cast. So like when things happen, like and the other thing, nothing's irrelevant in this film. Like, no, every, everything ties together. It's like a beautiful web. Yeah, there's like no piece of character development that's just like there for no reason. Everything, everything matters. Yeah, at some point or other, everything matters. Uh, we do, but we do find out really quickly who who's on what side because De Niro leads a crew of bank robbers, and you just want just want to talk about who's on his crew again. We've got Val Kilmer, Danny Trejo is on his crew, Tom uh, Sizemore is there. Yeah, again, Tom Sizemore was another one who. Never, I mean, he had that run in the 90s, and then he kind of just, like, disappeared. You know, he had Saving Private Ryan, um, you know, a bunch of other films. I think he was in The Relic, tons of films in the 90s. Yeah, but uh, you see, the like, the way there are banks, and it's, it's funny, because, like, there's so much in this film that's just, you could point to other movies that they had, like, taken from Heat, especially, oh. like, high school, actually. Yeah. Like, you know, like you look, like you look at this, like knocking off about the bank trucks. I've seen this kind of scene, like tons of other movies, like Dark, like, Dark Knight. Yeah, Dark Knight. Like, shit, Dark Knight takes so much from me. I'm not, I'm not calling, like, I'm not calling Christian Nolan a thief. I'm just saying, like, you, there are tons of scenes in that movie that are inspired by Heat. Absolutely. But yeah, like, yeah, this this beginning scene is total Dark Knight. But yeah, they rip they rip off this uh, bank truck, and yeah, they're gonna just take the money, walk away. But one of their guys, Wingo, played by Kevin Gage. Uh, decides, you know what? No witnesses, and then just, sh- and then just starts. They start shooting all the guards who are in the trucks. Okay, now this, things have escalated now very quickly. Oh yeah, but he shoots those shooting scenes so naturally too. Um, yeah, we'll I think we about talked the, about that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, like this. Yeah, so like this is this is the cruel be chasing, everybody following that the entire film. They're like, hey, De Niro's like associate, like a sales guy, is played by John Voights in what a haircut he has. Yeah, just like, like, why do we have to do that? Let's just be regular John Voights, you know? Yeah, right. Like, what, like, what, 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 like, mullet, like, white trash, dirty John Voights. Yeah, let's get like varsity blues John Voight in there, you know? <laughs> uh, but yeah, we see that uh, Vincent Hanna is the, he's not a detective, he's, he's lieutenant. Actually, this 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 doesn't do with the movie, but like something I noticed watching this, I forgot how short Pacino is. Pacino is super short, yeah, very yeah. very short. He does he does this. Michael Mann does a good job of actually like hiding it throughout the movie because like for a lot of it he's for a lot of it he's actually not standing next to anybody. No, there's no uh, like reference to show you how short really uh, Pacino really is in real life. Yeah, there, yeah, there there are very few scenes where he's actually standing next to anybody, but it's just this one scene where like he's standing next to. And we'll talk about like this cast: West Study, Michael T. Williamson, and Ted Levine. Yeah, <laughs> he's like he's the shortest guy there. Yeah, 
And West Studio almost like unrecognizable. You're usually used to seeing him with like longer hair. Yeah. Sometimes and like a lot of a lot of like Western films and stuff. Yeah, you, yeah, you're seeing him as like an actual as an actual Native American character. But yeah. you know, you, I do like seeing West Studio in this. Oh, he's fantastic. I mean, he's fantastic as a supporting actor anywhere. So uh, to have him, especially Ted Levine. Uh, I mean, again, it just this 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 cast is absolutely stacked throughout the whole entire film. And thing is, like the the actors keep getting introduced throughout this film. Yeah, and it's like people that you recognize. I mean, watched any movies in your life, you definitely uh, build up a encyclopedia of actors and actresses that keep popping up throughout the whole entire film. Yeah, so uh, we see, uh, we see that uh, you know the crew got away. Uh, the crew, actual crew we know got away, but. Uh, Al Pacino's character, Vince, he's going to be the one heading up this unit to try and find these guys. The uh, thing is, though, uh, there's actually some tension in the crew, as you'd expect when Wango, when, uh, you know, he went off script. He wasn't supposed to do that shit. Uh, so, you know, um, you know, we know how these things go in high school. When one guy fucks up, got to go. Doesn't get a yeah. cut. Doesn't get to walk away. He has no. got to uh, but something, something interesting this movie does the fact that I, because like I, when I first saw it, I thought like, oh, they're 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 gonna kill him right now. He gets away. Yeah. He, they get he gets distracted and he ends up getting away. And and you wonder yourself like, are we are we, gonna, are we ever gonna see this guy again? And it turns out we we do. Like there's like he actually plays. He's a, he was a much bigger role in this movie than I first anticipated. Oh yeah, for sure. Because you think oh he goes and and that's really it. But later on we'll pick up and and we'll see what. Uh... Wingard really had up it under his sleeve, I guess I should say, up his sleeve. We also do see that uh, Chris Balcomer's character is a bit of a tumultuous marriage. He's married to Ashley Judd. Yeah, Who, like yeah, one of her first big bigger roles, I would say. Big roles, and I guess I, I don't like seeing her as a blonde. Um, I'm kind of natural to see her as a blonde because I saw her in this movie. So first. I think, yeah, so I think it was one of my first uh, exposures to Ashley Judd, but. Um, I mean, again, she's another fantastic actress. So, uh, yeah, who also kind of fell out of the limelight here in the last, you know. Yeah, it's like I very, very rarely see Ashley Judd in anything. No, it's like we, like, again, it was the 90s, dude. The 90s was like with, you know, your kiss to girls and uh, Long Came a Spider. She in Double Jeopardy? I think she was in Double Jeopardy. She had like a, yeah, she had like three movies that were all pretty much the same, like, concept. But yeah, she did. The interesting thing is, like, uh, Val, Kil- Val Kilmer's wife like, is the only one, the only love interest played by someone of note. Yeah, really, because nobody else I don't think we really recognize. Yeah, because, yeah, you have Diane Verona as uh, yeah, Vincent's wife, and then Amy Brenneman, who we meet right now, is the love interest of Neil, Robert De Niro's character. Yeah. And this is the thing where, I think, I, I think the interesting thing about, about this is the fact that you have, you have these two leads, two incredible actors, and like the big draw of this was, you know, there it's it, it's the two of them on screen in this like starring in movies since the, this is the first time since Godfather that they've yeah. done this. Yeah. And I think the thing the interesting thing about these the thing these ways are excuse me the interesting thing about the way these characters are written are that I think you could have given either of these roles to either actor and they could have pulled it off. Oh yeah, I mean, either way, you've we've seen, you know, vice versa. We've seen Al Pacino play the role of De Niro, and De Niro play Pacino. So I mean, either either one of those guys could have, you know, knocked that role out. That being said, I think I think I prefer as it is because I, Robert De Niro in this film. I oh think, yeah, that's De Niro performances. Not that I don't love Pacino, and he has he has some of my favorite lines in this Pacino, movie. 
Pacino's one-liners um, and his actions are just fantastic in this film. It's but like yeah, I think movie, yeah. last movie where Pacino, where Pacino stopped, like he was still Pacino before it became like a really loud, cartoony version of Pacino. Yeah, this was like giving you a little preview of what he was going to do later on. But yeah, um, well, he would yeah. go on for the rest of his career. Yeah, except for the Irishman. Except for the Irishman. Yeah. Funny, funny enough, that's that's the one that escaped. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I, I look at the, I look at the scene like where he first meets uh, Edie, who ends up being his, his love interest, and then like like the, just like the way they meet, and just like the, the way he just like carries himself in that scene. I I think he's just he, he is he's good at like showcasing a lot of charisma in this that, role. Very, like, like, it's sort of like yeah type character. Very confident, um, and just like you know, just nonchalantly strikes up a conversation with a woman that recognizes him, but he doesn't recognize. And then just kind of, again, just carries it out and just like gets to know, really gets to know her and like actually like bond with her, you know, throughout the the evening. Uh, yeah, but but meanwhile, as as we go on, we see that we we see this is really, I mean, not necessarily accurate. But I feel like I don't see this happen in LA, but I do, do think they do a good job of actually like you know fleshing out this house. Like for example, we have to see Vincent and and his his cops. Uh, go like go and like probe the streets for information because like yeah you can't do this job without some kind of notoriety. Yeah, especially in a big city like LA. And then we see that you know the acts of the crew have consequences because the person they ripped off was this like big business mogul played by William Fechner. Yeah. And again, again like, everywhere these actors and actresses pop up. Yeah, we did. We did just talk about him, didn't we? We talked about talk Independence Day Resurgence. We literally just talked about him, yeah. So uh, kudos to you for back-to-back episodes you're in. <laughs> uh, but I, another thing I like about De Niro's character is the fact that he he, he demonstrates that he, he cares about his crew. Yeah. Like for example, when Chris is having marital problems, what does he do? <laughs> he ta- he tails his wife. To the to the motel she's meet she's meeting up with somebody at, and then confronts her about it. Yeah, and says like she's literally going to go back to Kilmer and work it out. Like the like again, you know, if, yeah, one more chance. If it doesn't yeah. work, I will fund, I will fund your new life myself. But dude, how like certain was he? Like there's like no matter of fact. He was super certain, like very very steadfast on you know what I mean. Her going back to Kilmer. And again, just kind of what you said with the charisma of De Niro's character through the film, you know, I mean, that's just how assertive he is. Yeah, we also see that uh, the crew is actually planning, <laughs> in case of a lot of crews, planning one last big heist that they don't got a heist any. They don't got a heist no more. Oh, we should add that uh, her love interest or fling was uh, Hank Azaria. Azaria, yeah. And, you know, on Simpsons. You know, Simpsons uh, icon, but um, again, just ever, all these guys popping up in this movie. Godzilla 98 zone, Hank Azaria. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, uh, we, also see, uh, we also see that uh, Fickner, the guy that they ripped off in the last heist, uh, he, as you can expect, is not too happy. And he, just, he has decided to uh, put out a hit on this crew. Because, like, you ain't, you ain't gonna rip me off and get away with it. Yeah, seriously. And we see that almost kind of fruition. Like there, there has some kind of information. I think it's an exchange of good or change of information, in this like abandoned uh, drive-in. Yeah, which then, it, yeah. 
Yeah, it's 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 a, it's a driving but and but they have like guys flanking De Niro's car. Yeah, which is yes, like you can totally see it coming. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, so <laughs> they 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 nearly get him, but you also you hear that you're just like okay, well, fuck, Fick, well, Fickner, uh, Fickner, this, if, like, this is either gonna work or you're screwed, yeah. and this didn't work. No, it totally blew up in uh, his face. Yeah, I was like the call word, just like Roger Van Zant. <laughs> Oh, this, line, this line doesn't work. Why? There's a dead guy on the other end. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit. Yeah, it's like, oh, okay, well, <laughs> at some point in this movie, Fickner is going to be toast. Yeah. Don't know when, don't know how, but he is going to be toast. And then uh, we get these two scenes back to uh, back, to back or, uh, relatively close together. It's, it's, the, it's the scenes of the criminals having dinner together and then the scenes of the cops having dinner together. Yeah. And something they do really well, and they kind of bring it to a head in the, in the middle of the in the middle of the film. It's just like showing, and actually, like the the wire that's doing does a really good job of illustrating this point as well. It's showing the similarities between both sides of a crime war. Yeah. Yeah. Like we see, that like they, they, there's, there's some kind, there's some kind of unity, there's some kind of there's some kind of there's some kind of moral code. Only thing is the morals, the moral compass. Are vastly different. Yeah, they're completely skewed. Yeah, I, th- I think it's interesting when a film can do that. Uh, you also you also learn that and again, this is this is a point that a lot of cops we try to make. Most recent one I could think of was Spiral, but like I mean they don't make a point of it, but they do they do bring it up. Where uh, Vincent Hanna's marriage isn't going very well. No. As you would as you would expect, as the wife of a cop. Yeah, I mean, we've seen this how many times where you pay more attention to work than you do your spouse. I mean, it's, it's, it's. I mean, it's, it's definitely overplayed. We've seen it before. Yeah. Uh, we also then meet another. We also meet another character in this movie, and it's also probably one of my one of my favorite ones. One of my favorite inclusions in this is Dennis Haysbert's as this recently paroled guy, Don Breeden. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's recently paroled and he's forced into a job that fucking sucks, <laughs> and with a boss that fucking sucks. Yeah, totally like treats him like shit. And just the way this this arc ends, or his his arc goes and ends, I think it's just such a. And we'll talk about when we get there. I think it's just like such a great. It's such a, it's such a seething indictment of the of the criminal justice system. Yeah, but when you when you get access, like. It's and they never say it, but like it's implied that like what like whatever he was in jail for, it wasn't anything like super serious. No. Yeah, but you know, it does doesn't matter doesn't matter what crime you did. Once you get out, you're treated the same. You're just you're treated like a common criminal. Yeah. You could you could you could have murdered somebody. You could you could have done you could have done anything, but you're treated like a criminal. But you know what? He want he wants to go. He's putting the efforts, even though it's hard and sucks. He is putting in the efforts. So you know what? I do respect him for that. But at the same time, like the way his art goes, I do kind of yeah. get it. Yeah, no, I do too. Um, yeah, because I mean, like this is like the only place. And you think about it, like in even real life, it would be like the only place that would hire somebody with a criminal record would be something somewhere like a fast food chain or something like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, it'd be like a, it'd be like a short order cook. Yeah, just 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 a you know, just punch in, punch out type job, and yeah. 
Well, that game made my favorite inclusion in the entire movie, and this is like for no particular reason, but it's it's Tone Loke. <laughs> yeah. Like I I I I did I forgot he was in this. Well, he comes on the screen, says like two words, and it's like, that fucking Tone Loke. <laughs> what are you doing here? Yeah, uh, that's, that's where they get some more information about the about the crew itself, because you know the guys the guys who are associated with this with this heist they're seen, they they they've been seen around. So yeah, cops deduce that they are planning something big. Yeah, we don't know what it is, but they're planning something big. Now we do uh, they do get a key into a warehouse, uh, in which they think they're going to be breaking into. Yeah, and they and they got the place staked out. And this is one of my favorite scenes in the entire film, yeah. of which there are many scenes of which that that are my favorite in the entire film. Yeah, uh, they're they're break they're Robert De Niro and his crew are going in. They're uh, they're trying to break into this this warehouse. Uh, they got a surveillance team on the roof and one that are just that are hidden out in this this shipping truck. Yeah. And then, so they're, 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 they're going, and then this one guy, all this happens, one guy just, like, leans back onto the truck, the truck, makes a noise, and De Niro hears it. Yeah. And he turns, and he looks right at the camera. And, like, you, you, see, you see the way this is cut? Yeah, it's really cool. Back. Yeah. And it's like, they're looking at it. Like, like Vincent and Neil, they're, they're looking at each other. Yeah. They can see each other. Yeah. It's super cool. They do it. Yeah, and this is the thing we kind of talked about where when we talked about uh, Catch If You Can, the two of these guys are not on screen together a lot. No, but you feel like their presence is always yeah. felt around each other. Yeah, one always feels the presence of the other. Yeah. Yeah. So I I, I think that's something this movie does just like so incredibly well that like, you 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 feel you feel that tension. You feel like this this like giant cat and mouse game. Yeah. Again, just it's, like just like catch me if you can. Yeah. It's it's a cat and mouse game. Only the difference is here they don't know. Nobody knows who's looking for who. Yeah. But they do find out very quickly because they do go to Vegas, and this is this is where this, this, is, about, this is the line everyone remembers from this movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> it's it's where he's talking to Hank Azaria's character. He's like, like oh yeah, let's go to the girl. He's got a great ass. <laughs> you got the head all the way up it. Yeah, he's obviously talking about Ashley Judd's character, but yeah, it's totally funny. Yeah, they they think they're going in to try and pick to get to get a line in on the crew committing committing heists, but the thing is, they go they they're directing the shipping yard. They go out. There's nothing there. Yeah. And they realize they were well. First of all, uh, they had guys surveilling them when they were out there, but when the cops get out there, yeah. they have some surveilling them. Yeah. So they've pretty much been had. Yeah, so this this is like a really cool thing about this movie. Like, you, ne- you never really know who's got the upper hand in any given situation. No, because I mean, it, it just turns like you think you know it. Like, obviously, like this scene, you think that Pacino and his guys nailed him, right? And then he finds out, boom, you know, it's De Niro that actually has the upper hand. It's like a back, it's like a back and forth, like it's a chess match. Yeah, like it's like it's, like, it's chess, it's tennis, 
this is look, it's 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 the most evenly matched version of the whole, you know. Uh yeah, we got we got the good cop and we got the yeah, the criminal. Um we then we then get made my favorite this is probably my favorite my favorite scene in the entire film. It's the scene where uh Vincent Vincent uh gets a, ta- a tail on Neil's car. This is the and game. This movie's nearly three hours. We're at like the hour and a half mark right now. Yeah. This is the first time throughout the entire time in which Neil and Vincent are on screen together. Yeah. Which, again, given the fact that this is De Niro and Pacino, two of the greatest actors of their generation. Uh, given given that, give and just to to hold off on that interaction for so long, that's a gutsy move. It is, but I mean, man, obviously ruled the dice, and I, mean, I think he succeeded in this. But you're also building that tension too for that first showdown, that first head-to-head meeting between the two characters too. You know. Yeah, and like a, a, a good example, I think of this is is uh, 2014's Godzilla, where like you know you're holding out for like for that fight for so long that when yeah. it finally gets there, yeah. it's that much better. Oh, for sure. Yeah, and then you know we see, we see that the two of them ha- having coffee, and the thing you notice about this scene is the fact that well, first of all, the, their chemistry is top notch, as you would expect. That these two guys are contemporaries, been, friend, been friends for decades, known each other for years. Like, you, you could say, you feel that like career respect, but even in their character work, like you see that like these these two guys who, again, it's it's a it's a bit of a cliche to say at this point, but like they're more alike than they are different. Yeah, no, they are. Yeah, like in a way, like they're both they're both kind of prisoners in their own in their own world they're kind of like, like they feel this kind of isolation where whereas de niro's from isolation from society and pacino's isolation from you know the things that matter his family which he can't be with because of his job but each of them but but each of them like pacino has that option though has a family and it's like almost like de niro's character almost kind of envies that because he wants that you know what i mean but he just you know what i mean and you also get the sense that, like, you know, these two guys, these two guys who, you know, given if the circumstances were different and they met at a younger point in their lives, like, they they probably would have been really good friends. Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, like, this, kind of like a, kind of like City of God. Yeah. Where, like, they're, oh, yeah, they're yeah, so, yeah. And they end up in, like, such different paths. Like, or, completely different paths, yeah. Yeah, but, like, whereas this one, you know, like, their, their, their personalities and their ideologies are... Not an ideology, their personalities and their their personas and their like their like mental mental alignments. They're so in sync. It's just the path that their lives took are just so diverging that like you you see how they would have gone along. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. I mean, because again, like you said before, I mean they are I mean completely like similar characters in in different respects. Yeah, again, this 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 scene I think is just it, it it's a phenomenal scene between two 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 fantastic actors. But right right after he leaves, right after he leaves, uh, he disappears. Yeah, completely completely goes. Yeah, we're just like, uh, yeah, we uh we lost uh we lost the crew. We lost we lost the tails. Uh, they went. I think they they flew near an airport, so they didn't they didn't have air clearance there. Yeah. Hey, I hate, like, hey, you lose. Them. I just, I just had coffee with them two, thirty minutes ago. Let me go get the wire real fast. I have to plug my uh, 
laptop and I, I hate to cut it sorry yeah. I, I i just don't want it to go dead That my bad. Yeah. So, the, uh, so yeah. Right, right, right after they, right after they lose. Server. So yeah, right after they lose track of the crew, they start setting up for the new bank job. Meanwhile, <laughs> uh, Wang Gro comes back to Van Sant, and he says, "You know what? I'm gonna help you take out, take out Neil's crew." Uh. Coincidentally, after that, uh, Trejo, uh, Trejo's character quits the bank. Quits the bank job. He says the LAPD is following too closely, and they're going to need a new getaway driver. <laughs> well, it just so happens we got a recently paroled short order cook who hates life and needs money. So this Definitely. guy is probably. <laughs> so this guy probably will say yes. Yeah, and you know, I I think this this was kind of alluding to earlier, where it's just like. You know, like these, like you know, the institution makes it so hard to like integrate back to normal society that like anybody who like once you, once you go to jail for an extended period of time, you're basically kind of in that for life. Pretty much, because you're so isolated and you don't know how to deal with that everyday life. You know, that's why a lot of people repeat offend because of the fact that they can't maintain that lifestyle anymore because they don't know that a normal lifestyle. They their normal is skewed. It's different. Um, and so this is his chance. Like he hates where his career is going, and he sees this as an opportunity to obviously make some bank, no pun intended, um, and and really set his you know himself up, and so he doesn't have to work in a shitty uh, line cook job. Yeah. So uh, he quits his job. He decks his boss, and then, <laughs> uh, he's like, you know what? Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll roll with you guys. You're a good you're in good hands. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I see what you did there. Uh, yeah. So yeah. So uh, every everything seems to be going seems seems to be going back to uh you know everything seems to be going well, but uh Van Sant's bodyguard the uh they, because they got a tip from Van Sant's bodyguard another uh, cameo <laughs> Henry, Henry Henry Rollins yeah. Unrecognizable, almost unrecognizable though, with hair like with a lot of hair like that, you know. With black, with black hair. Yeah, looks a lot unrecognizable because he usually has like a like almost like a buzz cut usually. Yeah, and it's, and it's, it's usually gray. Yeah, and that's Henry Rollins, the same Henry Rollins that tattooed Stevo on off-road tattooing. What he did? I was pretty sure there was an episode where they did off off-roading tattooing where they hit bumps and stuff like that. I think they had Henry Rollins tattooing Steve-O, if I'm not mistaken. I think I think I, I think I remember that 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 sketch. <laughs> I didn't know it was Henry Rollins doing the tattooing. 
pretty sure I'm, I'm like 98% sure. I'm not, I don't want to fully commit to 100% because I don't want to be wrong, but I'm pretty sure. <clears throat> you, you, would know better, you would know better than I do. Uh, we see that the heist is underway and it's going smoothly, but because they were made by uh, Henry, Henry Rollins' character, the LAPD is waiting for him. And what ensues is arguably the greatest action sequence Michael Mann's ever put to film, or anybody's ever put to film. Not, yeah. not, not the greatest, but like one of the greatest for sure. This entire shootout sequence is phenomenal. Oh, it's fantastic. It's definitely edge of your seat. Your pulse pounding, you know, like a blockbuster spectacle. I mean, Michael Mann shoots the shit out of this uh, scene. Yeah, but like, yeah, it's 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 gritty, it's frenetic, but like you can all you can always tell like where exactly you are in the sequence. Like it it doesn't get hard to keep track of what's going on. It's coordinated perfectly too. Yeah, it's it's super well coordinated. Uh. It's it's violent. It's everything you would want from like like a great like high shootout sequence. Oh, it's and and that's the thing I always liked about man films is the, the sound of gunshots is always like you, you ever notice that I think it's different in man's films. Yeah, that's true. He usually gets gets gunshots pretty pretty right. The sound that he does because I can think you think you know Collateral. I can think Miami Vice. Um, anything that he does, I think he 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 he, sh- he loves those action sequences, and they, he shoots shoots them perfectly. And I just love the the just the sound, like you're actually in war, you know, you're like you're in warfare. Yeah, like I, I can just imagine being in a theater in nine in ninety five and getting that like per- like surround sound, which is like yeah. awesome. That's what like DTS digital sound was like a huge yeah. yeah it must it must be really sweet. But uh, yeah, and it's also like a pulse pounding thing. It's like you, you like, cause like you don't, you don't know, cause like you know, like watching this in the vacuum, you don't know where you are, you don't know where it's at, you don't know how this whole thing's gonna go down. Yeah. But, so like when, so like when things start happening, like for example, like like Ted Levine gets killed, Dennis Haysbert yeah. gets like tragic, like tragically killed. Like, yeah. actually, I don't, I don't think they say he died. I think they say like he was he was fatally wounded, but that, that doesn't necessarily mean he died. You're talking about yeah, he was pretty shot up when he was driving that car when it went like I like it went idle or coasted. Like he looked like he was he took a hit. Yeah, you know, he, he was definitely shot. Yeah. Probably died. But yeah, there's always a chance that he might have survived. Then I think he would go on to play for the uh, Cleveland Indians. Yes, he would three times. Absurd <laughs> to me. Absurd to me that he was in literally all the, all the major league films. He was like the only one. Because they, they switched well, a lot Bar- of those characters, or Tom Berenger too. Tom Berenger and uh, Corbin Burnson. But outside, but but I'm saying, but they like Omar Epps to Wesley Snipes, like they did, or Wesley Snipes to Omar. They like, switched Snipes, that yeah. character. I, yeah. Yeah, Snipes didn't come back. Oh, Snipes was he blew up after like, he was huge. He didn't need to come back to Major League Two, which is actually more of my favorite one. Gene didn't come back either. No, if I'm not mistaken. Ah, uh, I, I believe not. Yeah. But anyways, back to Heat. Uh, Sizemore gets killed, and Kilmer gets shot. Up. He, he gets shot up a lot. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, he gets like right up in the uh, shoulder area. But we see, like, like you, you, you see, like how, like the care that Junior has for his crew, because like he could have just, he just left Kilmer down there and got and gotten away scot free. Yeah. He takes the effort to like <laughs> to just like take like drag him out. And just like go through a grocery store parking lot just, just to try and drag him out of there alive. Well, puts his puts his life completely at risk because he's a sitting duck with him, like le- literally lugging Kilmore. Yeah, so. lugging like lugging like two hundred pounds of like half dead guy. 
Yeah, like completely like yeah, dead fish. Like you're completely dragging this guy. But uh, it shows you the tight knit bond that goes back to the uh, you know, the family scene that we saw with the eating and stuff like that. They're they're families in their different respects. Yeah. I also do love the scene where uh, you know, like where Sizemore gets axed off because like he takes this like little girl's kind of like a human shield. Do you? Know, yeah. This, he does it. He do, he doesn't blink. Pacino popped away. He waits for that one moment, and then just like boom, shot to the head. Right, dead center, man. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's the the kind of bad thing. The the only, the only negative about this shootout scene is the fact that. After that's happened, there's still like an hour of movie left. This is more maybe it's it's gonna like this is I think this is like we're right over like the, almost a two hour mark I think at this at this part yeah. You still got about forty five minutes and eh, like forty minutes of, of actual film left. Um, but again, I mean it's building to the climatic and you 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 kind of know where, obviously where it's going and it just it, it really it's like how oh, can we just get there already you know you get really impatient. Yeah, like it, 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 it does peak at like for me at least it does peak at the shoot at the shootout sequence. Yeah, uh, the final conversation isn't cool, but like just like just because the shootout sequence is so excellent. Yeah, just it kind of just it's kind of like okay, we're st- we're still here for like another hour. <laughs> you're, you're like coming off the high, you know what I mean? Is you're like oh, oh okay, we're we're like it's like almost like when you get like a, you know, a Michael Bay action sequence and then we go to like like normal like dialogue you're like wow it's like you're like exhausted you know <laughs> yeah on uh, uh, honestly yeah <laughs> uh by the way the, the doctor that, that that stitches up kilmer did, uh, did you recognize him jeremy piven uh, jeremy piven doesn't want to give up that shirt though man <laughs> <laughs> did, you see that, did you see that stack of money he handed piven dude you could buy another shirt like that just, 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 just go buy more shirts. Yeah, and just say your daughter gave it to you or whatever. It's not a big deal. <laughs> you could just say, "Hey, I got the shirt still." See? Yeah, go find the exact same shirt. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so De Niro goes to go to check goes to check on Trejo's character, and we see that uh, Trejo and his lady have been well. Me and his lady got killed. They, they, they shot Trejo and, or like I don't, they did something where like he's just like like bleeding out on the floor. How do you not give Danny Trejo a name? <laughs> you give him Trejo. Is his name, is his name just his Trejo? Name's, just... His name is legit Trejo, yeah. That's why I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah. Yeah, we're just going to call you Trejo. Yeah, basically, he, basically he, was, he was kidnapped. Well, not even he was kidnapped. Uh, his girl was kidnapped by Van Sant. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so, like, if, 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 he, if, he didn't quit, if he didn't quit the heist and you know, help, help them catch the crew, help the police catch the crew, yeah. Uh, he, he was gonna kill him. He was gonna kill her and then him. Thing is, he killed her anyway. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure, like when you first see the scene, you're like, "Yeah, Danny Trejo's dead." <laughs> it's, yeah, he just happens to be alive for a little bit. Danny Trejo in a movie. Chances are he's he's not gonna make it to the end credits. Oh no, no, no. He's he's for sure. You're, uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but you know, uh, the, the thing I do love about this about this sequence is the fact that like you know he's he's clearly suffering and just like he's like, hey, Neil, don't leave me like this. And then this is where we see a little bit more of a humanist, like a human, like a human response for uh, Neil's character to you know just shoot him and put him out of his misery, you know? Yeah, he, he, he just puts him down. Like you, you can tell, like it was it was hard for him to do. 
Yeah, but he knew. Yeah, he can't take him to the hospital. No, because obviously they're going to have to make questions, and the fact that they're going to be absolutely taken by the police, you know. So. Yeah, and but the but the good news for for uh, Neil's character is that he does get a clue to the whereabouts of Van Sant. Yep. Uh, so he goes to see him, and he's just like, "Where's Wayne Groves?" Just like, I I, I don't know. He's like. Okay, fine. <laughs> he just kills him. It was funny because it's like, dude, you don't know where he's at yet. What are you doing? <laughs> you know, you could have tried to torture him out, a little bit of out, information out of him. You know what I mean? Like, no, like the, the procedure is you shoot you shoot him in the leg. You shoot yeah. him in the leg. Yeah. Get get the answer. Then you yes. kill him. Yeah, it's like, um, wait a minute, Neil. You don't have the answer yet. You don't know where he's at. What if what if he what if he did know where he was? Yeah, like how would if like you would never have solved this. You'd never would have found out. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, uh, at, right after that happens, though, he does go back home to see his girlfriend. Who, like, they already made plans to leave the country, but now, like, they really need to leave the country. And this is where, like, honestly, you you hear that saying, you know, um, it, that comes up uh, it comes up quite a bit in the uh, in the movie, just about like, um, you know, uh, what does he say? He says, um, "Allow nothing to be in your life that you can't walk out on in thirty seconds flat if you spot the heat around the corner." Um, where we see this reference, you know what I mean? Because you, you, you're you're thinking like like Neil's character wants to settle down. He doesn't want to do this anymore, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So he, he, he at this point he has to come clean. He's been lying this whole time. He has to come clean. Tell her what he act. Tell her what he actually does for a living. And yeah, like yeah, he has to just convince her to run to run away. He has to convince her to run away with him. It's like, but I have more money than a salesperson. <laughs> Yeah, but like, but you see, you see how I'm living. Yeah, you, like, you ride in car. I'm balling, girl. Speaking of like, uh, speaking of love lies, uh, Pacino comes home to find out that his wife is having an affair. I love this scene. I love this scene. But yeah, where he just like, but like, this is the way he reacts. Where it's like, he's, he's so, he's just so numb to everything. Where he just like, you know what, you can screw, you can screw my wife, but yeah. you can. Watch my television set. He rips us, and it's funny because like we're laughing now because we have like fucking Roku televisions now. But at the time, you could have small TVs like that in in, in rooms. And I like how he just like unplugs and just takes. He's like, I'm taking this shit with me. Just walks away. Yeah, I'm taking a shit. He's like, sit down, sit down. And you see, boy, he completely obedient when you hear Pacino yelling though. I mean, shit, I, I I do I do this. I I I was standing up when that scene was playing, and I sat down. Absolutely. You have to. I mean, he told you to sit down. You have to do that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, he and en- he ends up walking. He-, he ends up walking out on his wife. Meanwhile, uh, while he's while Neil is trying to get things ready for him and leave the country, he's also trying to find information on where Wangro is, because like Wangro is essentially the reason that his crew is dead. Yeah. And that Chris is just like he's, he's kind of fucked. And what, well, no, I was gonna say in Wankro, you really think it like you have zero, you know, like love, like like for this character at all. Like he's just a piece of shit. Like obviously with, you know, killing the young uh, prostitute or whatever, and uh, just everything about him, he's so sinister. He's just out for himself, and uh, he's the one yeah, that you're, yeah, it's like that, like that weird tangent of like he's going around killing prostitutes. Yeah, but then like they never explain. It's like okay, like I don't know. It was, it was. It, I get it. He's sinister. Like I, I don't know. It is what it is. 
Yeah. Uh, we also do get an interesting look at uh, the relationship uh, between Chris and his wife in this in this last scene, uh, where you know uh, they have a, a sting set up for uh, if Chris shows up to get his wife and kid, and you know, you think the wife is gonna. You think that uh, his wife is going to cooperate with the police? That's where it's seen. That's where it's seen to be heading because, like, she's doesn't like doesn't like the marriage anyway. And, and uh, yeah, on top of it, like she pretty much yeah she's pretty much out like mentally out of the marriage. So this is the part where she's obviously going to turn him in. Yeah. So you yeah. So he gets out of the car and like you think okay she's going to turn him in, but she looks at him and he's just like, and she sees just like she she sees in that one look. Just what, what Chris thinks of her. Yeah. And in the scene, she realized like, okay, you know what? I've been, I've been fucking up. Yeah. You need, you need, you need to leave. And she signals him to to walk away. Yeah. She does like a like a hand motion, like cut it, like go, pretty much. Keep in mind, keep in mind, uh, if she gets caught, if if he get if he gets caught, what was the this? If they find out. That she saw him and he and she let him go and she yeah. warned him. Yeah, she, she'd be an accomplice. And she, yeah, and she do. But it's okay because uh, Chris has a haircut, so it should be okay. He's, he's got a haircut. I'm recognizable. Yeah, he's not right. He's he's like Bruce Wayne with he's Batman with he's puts glasses on. He's fine. And like you think it's gonna happen because they're he's like the, the car's driving away. Yeah. And then this police and this squad car just pulls right in front. And you're just like, oh fuck. Yeah, they're gonna gonna arrest her. Yeah, I like you said, (laughs) just get a haircut. You're unrecognizable in crime movies, bro. It's like the car wasn't registered to him though. I think he was like radioing, and he said that the ID or something like that. I don't know whose ID or whatever the hell he got, but it it worked. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't registered to his fake ID. Yeah, but it also reported stolen so like eh, it's fine eh, it's fine no no questions asked what are the odds of that <laughs> yeah so uh chris and then that's and that's that's the end of chris's story chris leaves after that we never we never see him again no he's he's ready for the snowman he is ready for the <laughs> what will become the snowman that's just, this is where you start drinking a lot after this yeah this is where <laughs> this is what this, started that this is what started that yeah, the the binge drinking. It was he he misses he misses uh, Ashley Judd. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, meanwhile, Vincent goes back to his apartment, and this is where again, like I said, nothing in this film in this film is wasted because there is a there is a, a bit with with Maggie Ford's character where we find out like her father, like her relationship with her father, like isn't very good. He's kind of he's kind of a deadbeat piece of shit. He's a huge deadbeat piece of shit. He never shows up. Never like uh, always That's letting cool. her always That's letting cool. her down. Huge deadbeat piece of shit. Yeah, huge for sure. There's also, and maybe you got this. There's a hint that she's kind of autistic. Yeah, because she, because in the beginning she was very fickle about braids, uh, yeah. about hair, hair scrunchies, and she was like very fixated on that. So I think she may be slightly special needs. Yeah, I, I, I think it's hint that she's kind of autistic. Um, yeah. yeah, we only she only has like a one scene after that where like where like uh, Vincent goes to pick her up after like once again her deadbeat dad didn't show. Yeah, but then like it's it escalates hugely because he gets back to his apartment and turns out uh, she tried to kill herself. Yeah, which is complete. I mean, I totally forgot. I mean, I, I've seen this movie like probably like four or five times. I totally forgot this scene. Um, but it's just it's it's so chilling because of the fact that it looks so real and you see Pacino's character um, 
you know, this this kid this kid's not even his, you know what I mean? And he's just taken to her like like a like an actual like a real daughter, you know. Um you, yeah. you do you do see the uh the affection that he has. Yeah, just like just 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 the way he he reacts and just just the first of all the <laughs> just the acting and Mon Portman's power just like just lay there, stick, don't move. Yeah. That is, that, is, that is hard to do. That, that's For like, sure. It's not, it's not. <laughs> no, and you don't see any like 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 not much heaving or anything like that too. Yeah, it's uh yeah definitely hard. It would definitely be harder though. Yeah, but just, just like just just the urgency that he rushes with. Oh, absolutely. And and it's you you actually like you're like super concerned because because he cares so much. You're that much more concerned. Like that like oh crap is she is she gonna die. Yeah, for sure. Because I mean, you see, Pacino's like completely frantic right now, and he's rushing into the ER, and he goes through the door. And he's like yelling for doctor. You know, he's he's super super invested in it for sure. Yeah, and we found out the reason that he chose that she chose his place was because they thought that she thought that if she wouldn't get interrupted, that no one would find her. Yeah, but yeah, that's that's what I mean when I say like nobody nobody's truly wasted in this movie. No, Everyone because. It, has- yeah. Some kind of emo, some kind of like emotional, emotional payoff, or some like you know emotional pathos. Yeah, for sure. It also does kind of you know nice part like between uh, Vince and his wife. Like maybe maybe we, maybe we can make this work out. Uh, meanwhile, uh, Neil and his girlfriend are about to leave the country, but he on the way out he does get a call from John Voight's character. And he basically gives information that, hey, I know where Wayne Grove is. Yeah. Uh, and so, it's, so he tells them, they're like, you know what? Forget it. I'm going to leave. And you honestly think, like, okay, you know what? He's going to leave. It's going to be fine. But he thinks about it for like a second. He's just like, you know what? Fuck it. And he just goes. It's like, bro, all you had to do was keep driving. Yeah. Like, like if, if Neil had just left, if he just said, you know what? Forget it. He'd have been out, Scott Frey. He'd have been out, but the thing—the thing that he does—but like that—that's that, kind of Neil's. That's his—that's his character flaw. Yeah. Because he's so, because he—he you know, he does, <laughs> as suave as he is, and as you know, as methodical as he is, we find we find out that you know you fuck with his crew, he does hold a grudge. For sure. Uh, so yeah, he does end up going to the hotel, and he d- he finds out what room Wang grows in. And he fucking kills him. <laughs> I like how he goes through all the work of like dr- uh, dressing up as security and shit like that. Yeah, he has to let's call pretend, pretend to be room service. Yeah, security pulls the fire alarm. Puts a uh, trash receptacle in the middle of the uh, elevator so it yeah. doesn't shut. Yeah. It's also you, you see that uh, there's also like it's just like poor plan, like emotionally poor planning on his part because. Where there are firefighters, there are often cops, but he's not acting with logic at this time. He's acting on emotion. Yeah. Which, he, which he at this point he has never done. Yeah. No. Thing, thing, thing is though, because of the sting operation with the cops, the cops are monitoring Wangro's room. Yeah. So it's kind of a shitty. It's a shitty time to be trying to uh, off someone. Yeah, but you know he he does end up he he, go, he goes in he he offs Wangro and the cops saw the whole thing. Yeah, so obviously now we got we got the uh, fuzz on uh, De Niro's character. 
Yeah, and uh, with the fuzz, you got you got Vincent, who again, this is uh, this is again, this is this only second time that this entire movie, in which they've been on the screen at the same time. And yeah, uh, now it's it's just it's literally a foot race between two men in their sixties. Tom Cruise would be proud. Tom Cruise would be proud. <laughs> Although shit, I didn't realize like yeah, like Tom Cruise what is is currently about to be in his sixties. And I think it's it, and actually would have ran those scenes because those clearly were not De Niro and oh, Pacino. Fifties, oh, yeah. Tom Cruise definitely would have ran this himself. Absolutely, he has run it himself. So yeah, no, Tom, uh, Tom Cruise is not proud. He's not proud at all. No, he's like, what the hell are you doing? I broke my ankle trying to jump onto the to the wall. And then he, then he gets up and walks it off like, jeez, that's Scientology juice, man. Yeah, that, yeah, but, th- but this, is, this is the final, this is the final competition between, between these two guys. Yeah. And like, you know, it's like, like one of these guys is not going to make it. I just again like as much as cool as the shootout is, it is there is something like just inherently more personal about this one right here, where you know like it's it's all it's all it's all it's all at nighttime. It's all like in this like empty empty airfield. Yeah, and then like moves move you move as planes are coming coming you know, like coming over you. So that's your chance to like try to move and try to like you know maneuver yourself to try to find the other person. You know what I mean? Like a cat and mouse game. Yeah, uh, it's it, yeah, it's, it's it's a pulse pounding too because you generally don't know who's gonna make it out alive. But I don't know. If it was, I don't know if it's morality. I don't know if it's because this is this is how they envisioned it. But uh, Vincent does end up shooting Neil. You know, his last words, just last words. Neil's last words, just you know, I I told you I'd never go back. Yeah. <laughs> and, and Vincent's like, yeah. And then he dies. That's the end of the movie. Yeah, but he's also holding his hand, which I thought was kind of cool. Yeah, that, that 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 was a nice one between between the two of them. So yeah, yeah. kind of close them out. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, Russell, want to give uh, your final thoughts on Heat? Yeah, I mean it's a classic film. Um, it's funny because literally the temperature has gotten warmer. Um, so I thought obviously Heat, you know what I mean? And I'm like, we never talked about Heat. I mean, I know it's been on some polls, and I'm like, you know what? I think this is a good, fun summer film. Um, you have great acting in it, obviously Pacino, De Niro. Um, you know, Michael Mann directs the hell out of this movie. It's 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 flawless. The cinematography, the choreography, you know, the choreography of the uh, of the fight scene. It's just so pulse pounding. Um, and just it's amazing to sit back and look at the sheer talent that's involved in this in this movie. From I mean, we're talking like minor roles like Piven. You know what I mean? Uh, Henry Rollins. Uh, you know, it, it's crazy how much talent that they got along for this film. Um, and I just think it's it's a really, really good film. Um, I wrestle with, which I, I do, oh, man, Collateral's really good too. And it's like, I do wrestle with these two LA films, um, which one's better. Um, but it's, like I said, it's, it's just a really, really fun film. I think it's a, it's a perfectly shot film, you know? Yeah, no, I think I think this film's excellent. I think you can argue this is as his technically best film. I do, I do prefer Collateral. I, I know. Well, yeah, that's that's TC legend. I mean, but it's like this movie is still almost being thirty years old. I think it's still it's still perfect. I I don't think it really has any flaws with the um, special effects or anything like that. I think it still holds up to the movie shot now. Yeah, no, absolutely, and and you can also like, you we talked with, we talked about throughout the entire review, but like you can totally see the influence on other crimes. Like yeah, like Dark, like Dark Knight's most notable. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Well, like at like after watching after watching Heat, I'm like, like, oh, so Dark Knight is just Heat with Batman. 
Yeah, or like uh, not even something as as crazy as like ambulance. The like the latest one, I think. If you if you were saying like a, even a later one, and you see a little bit of it borrowed from ambulance too, and and we're talking Bay borrowing it from from man. Yeah, like the elaborate shootouts, the the the, the epic of the of the of the knocking off a, a bank vault car. Yeah. Like it, you know, the whole the whole crew aspect you can see you can see influences from this film onto onto other movies that would follow it yeah but like always got to go back to eat man this is and yeah this is an incredible cast the two, two incredible. Again, i love Ken, Kil- love love kilmer in this too yeah I, I think this is the best example of chemistry even though the two main characters aren't on screen very long together yeah i agree yeah uh but yeah i think that this is this movie's excellence and yeah, I'm actually. It's been a while since I've, since I've rewatched it. I'm actually glad I got a chance to watch it again. Well, you're welcome. I figured, like I said, it was one of the ones I haven't. It, it gave me an excuse to watch it again because I've been talking about it through, you know, uh, you know, Facebook Messenger. We've been kind of just shoot, I've been shooting that around, just because I, I was like, you know what, it's been a while and it's a damn good film. And again, the temperature and the weather around here because it's getting hotter obviously made me think heat. And I was like, well, shit, heat. Uh, that's yeah. It's completely obviously not related to. The movie but i just thought it was funny and uh, i'm just glad we got a shot to revisit all right that's gonna do it for us here today russell and girl our plugs were hit up yeah and it's by chance it's the facebook group go ahead and join that we're one uh member away from 500 so thanks for everybody who uh, partakes and uh, we're glad to try to give you the best content we possibly can um guys can also find us notorious by chance on youtube you can find my twitter and instagram by chance wars underscore 91 check out uh movie modown where i do compete uh, movie uh, Trish Modown to the YouTube channel. And yeah, it's going to do it for us here. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.